For more accessibility, feel free to read the podcast transcript as you listen. Available at autish.wordpress.com. And welcome to the Autish Podcast. My name is Onikage, and this autism podcast, like my blog, provides various autistic content. I am autistic myself, and I want to promote acceptance and to explore various stories and personalities from the autistic community. This podcast will feature guests that are involved in the autistic community in some way. Today's topic is, once again, grown up with autism. Each autistic has a different story when it comes to growing up on the spectrum. Each story should be heard and I'm willing to hear more stories in the future. Today's guest is Larnell Cross. Larnell is a graduate from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. He also has his own broadcast show, Inoculative Expressions. His program features a wide range of musicians, storytellers, and poets making a difference through their art. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Larnell Cross. I graduate from Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Davie, Florida. And I currently host and produce a podcast called Inoculative Expressions, which is original music, poetry, storytelling, and the arts, which you can find on inoculativeexpressions.podomatic.com. And also I'm a person on the spectrum, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So first question is, what were your experiences growing up with autism? Well, it was different, of course. Like when I was around two, that's when I was kind of like first noticed in the sense of I didn't really talk as much. I was very shy and had these weird stares as well as like looking at my hands and all this type of stuff. And even with my own family, I was nervous of talking to them. And I I would use my brother to talk for me in the past and um, I just remember when I was a kid, when I was first diagnosed, like uh, it was a thing known as being emotionally handicapped. When I was first diagnosed, it wasn't like I was um, autistic. It wasn't until later on um, from what my mom said about like 14 or something to where like um, I became, okay, this is what it is. This is autistic or this is Asperger's or something, you know. And um, even around around that time, like when um, my parents saw the behavioral patterns changing, it started to like um, in the past, my mom started to look at books and start to think, um, okay, we need to change our son in terms of the eating habits. Because before when they went to the child psychologist, you know, when I was around like I think four or five or something. Well, first, like they were just mentioning like, you know, oh, this is what he has. But then from some of the other doctors, it was more of like, well, just prescribe him medication or something like that. So um, instead, they said, no, we're going to go a more natural route. So that's what it was, you know, to change the eating habits, to go on a special diet, to have more organic foods, to not have the sugars, to not have some of the oranges or anything. So it was more of like from reading books about how to do it more naturally to like, you know, kind of like stop the like more of like chemical reactions to some of the foods. So that's what it was. So it, it was interesting. But but the thing that I got upset about was more of the fact of I couldn't have the other foods that other people had. I was like an outcast from that because I can only bring my own foods, my own juices, my own ketchup, my own mayonnaise, which is nail which is like, you know, a soy version of ah. mayonnaise and all that stuff. So 
yeah, so things were kind of different from there. Yeah. It's, it's funny where you mentioned about diets, especially from childhood. Um, for me, I wasn't um, restricted per se, as in like I can't eat certain things. It was more of I only liked certain things. Mm-hmm. It's like every lunchtime at school, I always had a packed lunch and it was brands and pickled cheese and ham sandwiches every day. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 go, wait, 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 go back. Um, it like like you say, like what pickle and cheese sandwiches did you mention right there? Oh, Branson pickle. Branson pickles like um, like a brown kind of pickle, pickled kind of, kind of like a chutney in a way. Oh, chutney. It's, okay, right. It's kind of like it's not the same as chutney, but it's pretty similar in terms of looks. So it's a different kind of pickle, a distinctive type. It's like a pickle spread you put like in sandwiches. When I was younger, along with that, instead of having, like, I'm going back to my foods, instead of having regular milk, I would have, like, soy milk. And it wasn't until, like, later on that I have now, like, almond milk, you know, because I remember I was reading something online or hearing something on NPR that's, like, like for you over there in, like, you know, Scotland, it would be, like, PRI. It's more international. Anyway, on public radio, it's something about, like, how soy brings a lot of, like, estrogen into the males or something, you know? So that's why, you know, my parents kind of like stopped me from that or I kind of like stopped a little bit from soy and all that stuff, you know, because in the past I would have like tofu hot dogs. I would have like, you know, stuff that was more soy from more of like the organic places like the Unicorn Village, Oasis, those type of places. Recent years for me, I've been drinking more alternative milks or alternative milk drinks. It's now illegal to call them milks in Europe, uh, in the UK counts. Yeah, we have to call them like milk alternatives or be clever, like calling it milk. And the reason why I cut down on it, um, I do drink it now and then, but I've cut down on it a lot, is because it kind of makes me feel really loggy and I usually drink the full fat stuff, so it's like, it's not really good for you to drink it all the time. It's not that much of a benefit in your adult life, so I was like, okay, I'll try almond milk, which I enjoy. Um, soy milk can give me the same similar reaction to milk, so I drink that sometimes. But rice milk is the strongest, I think. It gives you quite... It's, it's kind of sweet as milk, but not as um, creamy. But it works, works really mm-hmm. well with teas, coffees, cereal. But yeah, I think people should look into the alternatives more. Apparently, um, pea milk is popular, as in like green peas. They're quite popular, and apparently they're good for the environment okay. as well. I've not tried it yet, because they're quite expensive in the UK at the moment. They're, it's a new thing here. Yeah. Oh, and also, like, something that I've tried recently was coconut milk, you know, which actually is good. You know, I had it from this, like, independent... Um, I remember I was at the stores at Publix or whatever, and the past or Walmart here in America. And I remember I would see a thing that says harmless coconut water. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Because coconut water, it's like, you know... It's like it's very organic and very natural. I don't know if you have it in Scotland or anything like that, but if you see it there, you know, like just try it out. You know, it's very good, you know, because it looks kind of it looks kind of pink. You know, you would think it looks kind of pink. Yeah. But actually, when you drink it, it tastes like, you know, organic coconut water. So it's just it just has this very nice thing. It's it's from like an independent um, manufacturer from um, California in in America. So I don't know if you can find it there, but, you know, you can look for it online or something. But, yeah, like, there's that. And one of the things when I was younger that I liked from the health food store in particular was carob milk. It used to be from Rice Dream, 
you know, which is like Hi. soy milk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have rice dream in that. Um, who makes our rice milk or almond dream? Yeah, we have them. And also, like, I would have like the ice cream too as well in the past, you know. So that was something that was nice, though. But yeah, that's something right there, though. But it's interesting, like going back to soy milk, that you had like a different reaction because for me, well, for me first, like that was the thing because that was like the organic milk to get, you know, compared to getting the regular dairy milk. Because honestly, I find that. Dairy milk kind of like clogs you up, though. You know, I, I never, I don't think I've really had dairy milk, regular milk or something like that. Maybe mm. some milkshakes or whatever. Mm. But most of the time, it's been more of like the soy milk. And then going on to the rice stream stuff, like more of like the carob stuff, which I like, you know, because carob is like, in some ways, like it was the alternative from chocolate. Yeah. Because I remember I would have like carob chip cookies in the past until they stopped making them, which I don't know why. Because it's like it's 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 just some some of these like coffee beans or something like that, which you take if you taste them, they taste like you would think they were chocolate, but it's actually something different though. Yeah, I've I've tried carob powder a few times, and I've noticed the difference oh, yeah. between that and chocolate, and it's actually not that bad. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, yeah. Speaking of foods and difficulties with food related to autism, what difficulties in general have you received when it comes to being autistic, whether it's childhood or even adulthood? When I was younger, it was just more of the fact of being an outcast because in the past, like, I couldn't tell people, like, um, because when I was in my ESC classes, which is, like, exceptional students, educational type stuff here in America, you know, to where they have you put, they put you into a classroom, like an elementary school of a bunch of special needs kids. I think it was more about having an identity of yourself because I didn't come from a time to where like autism was seen as a thing of like, you know, acceptance. It was more of a thing of like something to be feared or something to really like get through more from like, you know, hear from the parental stories or something like that, you know, because when I was younger, like I, I was nervous because, again, I already couldn't eat the same way as everybody else. So my thing was more about, like, I just wouldn't talk about it unless, like, I'm talking to teachers in terms like, okay, here's what I can't have and all that stuff, you know. And then my mom would give me a list. It's like, okay, here's what you can and cannot have, you know. And then one thing I could say is, like, whenever I get lunch in the cafeteria in public schools, like, I will always bring my own lunches, though. Whenever I would have, like, some hamburgers, I always have it in a bagel, sprouted wheat bagel from, like, the health food store, and then have my own ketchup, which would be, like, from the health food store, like, West Bray Natural. And, um, of course, like, you know, for the salad, have my own nails, which is, again, soy, the soy version of mayonnaise, of mayo and all that stuff, you know, so. But in terms of social interactions, it was kind of tough because also I was shy, too, as well, you know, and plus, like, I was just scared to look at people, and sometimes I would talk in mush, even though I think like I, when I hear myself, because, you know, you know, only when you hear yourself, sometimes it's like, oh, I, I sound normal. I sound OK, you know. But then when you hear yourself back, it's like, oh, my gosh, I might sound like mush. It's like, yeah, like, you know, because it's just like for me, it was more of really trying to find myself hmm. and also just being angry that I have autism because I was thinking like, who else in my family has that? And why was I the only person in my family that has this? Hmm. Back in like the early 90s or back in the 90s in particular, it wasn't like there was figures out there being proud to be autistic or just really saying like, hey, I'm going through this. You know, autism for me was just kind of like a word to where like 
would people laugh at me or something mm -hmm. like that? Would people think I'm weird or strange? You know, I don't know if it was the same experience for you, you know, when you were younger. I do agree with the autism being a different word back in the 90s, whether you were diagnosed or not at the time. In the UK, especially Scotland, support was more... It wasn't as widespread as in, like, they're trying to help people out, but they don't know what to do with them. I was mm -hmm. in a class in primary school with a few other people and everyone was set into groups and we were the lowest yeah. group as we had difficulties but we were known as the dumb group or the stupid group and having a disability surrounded by other children you worry that that disability is dumb and you're dumb and it's like you don't know how there's, there is no acceptance and just to cut in there only, like that's how I felt in some ways, like being in a special needs class, even though it was it was good, you know, but, you know, at the time I was also thinking I want to be in regular class because this was like during the time when I was in like a first grade or second. And um, it was just a thing to where like, you know, because when they had people in the special needs class, they had different people that had different problems, like different behavioral problems. Like there was one kid that got very angry and then pushed down desk or something like that. And they had to call like a cold green to get the students out, you know, mm. outside of the classroom and all that stuff, you know, because of, I think, I don't know, some behavioral type of problems on that. Yeah. And then there was another kid to where like, you know, certain times, like if he didn't have his meds or, you know, something like he would like get like a seizure, just like foaming at the mouth and then just go on there and shake and all that stuff, you know? And then there was another person in the classroom to where they couldn't have chocolate because they break out in hives. So for me, compared to my autism, I was thinking to myself, well, that's nothing compared to what these kids are going through. It's like, I just can't have sugars. It's like, because of like my chemical imbalance where I just get all crazy and all that type of stuff or something, you know, or hyper or back yeah. then hyper or something. So I honestly thought that my condition was not that serious in my, you know. Yeah. And certain times, like when there would be projects or certain things in the classroom, I would sneak in some, you know, sugar stuff. So you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, hey, you got any drugs over here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's scenario, though. So, yeah. When I was at college before I attended university, because school was pretty tough and I left early and got tutored. College was actually a better experience to a degree, but the first course I was in was surrounded by various other students and we got to do various um, things together like catering, going to trips and quite a few of us had various difficulties. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, comparing, talking about various conditions, yeah, uh, other people had other conditions. There was, there was one that had like a stutter, one that had epilepsy. There was me that was undiagnosed autistic, but it was always special needs learning difficulties. It did open my eyes seeing how we could all work together regardless of disabilities. And I think that could be one reason why I support disability rights because we're all mm -hmm. wide range, we're all trying to help each other out. But at the same time, even though we're on the spectrum, we could also have other disability or health problems or health issues. For me, I have asthma, I have endless danlos syndrome, which is like hypermobility. Mm. That's just listing a few. It's just interesting to see what there's if there's any connections between 
when people are autistic, they may more likely have this or they may more likely have that. The amount I've seen pe- autistics and people with hypermobility um, connected together is really interesting. <laughs> I also went to speech pathologist because of my speech and my parents were teaching me how to speak more clearly and then plus to look at people, to have like the eye contact because sometimes, I don't know, like staring somebody in the eyes, it's just like you fear the face being torn up or just like... Then feeling like more like you're a smaller person if they do that, just like, oh, you just want to shrink down or just imagine the equivalent of like if you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz. And then you remember the part where like the green, like the Wicked Witch, like said like, I'm melting, I'm melting. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's like that for some reason, you know, because when I was a kid, yeah. it was just kind of like I just had a problem with that. You know, I don't know what it was, mm. but it was just like I had a nervousness to where. You know, I couldn't look at people. I just looked the sideways or something. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so was that the same? Were you more of like an introvert when you were younger? Definitely. I preferred to just stay in the house and play video games all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in regards of eye contact, for me, if you look at someone in the eyes, it's like they're staring deep into your soul and you just, it's like you're paralyzed or you, I just immediately turn away because I feel like it just feels overwhelmingly horrible <laughs> so my trick to eye contact and um, a lot of people say i have good eye contact which is a lie i stare at people's foreheads and it makes me look like i'm got good eye contact mm-hmm. but it's basically masking but there's times where i don't look at people and i just be myself but then there's other times sometimes when i not stare at people i I like to listen to their words. I'm paying attention. Yeah. But then I get accused of not paying attention because I'm not looking them in the eye. And I'm just like, I don't always need to look. Sometimes I need to do something while I'm listening to you, like um, stimming with an item, or sometimes I'm playing a video game. And I still remember half the things they've said. But if I stare directly at them, it uses more energy. And how can I pay attention to someone that I'm just staring at a face? Especially when they're angry. That's when it makes it scary. Like, I don't know if I do, like, what you do or something like that. I think I try, like, now, like, I can look at people, like, I can look at you in the face or something like that, you know? And I'm sure, like, in the past, like, the whole idea of staring contests would be kind of nerve-wracking to where, like, a staring contest, to you know, a staring contest where a person has to look and not blink or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do this or something like that. Because I have to stare. It's like, I try to be like, okay, just stare at the person, not think about anything else. And I'm sure, like, for you, that had to be, like, one of the toughest, like, I don't like staring games, you know? <laughs> for me, I think it was more, I like the challenge. Um, anything that has a challenge gives me more motivation. It's like, when I was a kid, I used to always arm wrestle. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> Or if there's like exercise challenges, it's usually when I want to exercise and actually keep fit. I struggle to stick with a calendar every day because if something comes up, motivation's gone. But when it's a challenge, it's like, oh, I can do this in 30 days. Let's let's see if I can do it. And it gives me more motivation. And I need Mm -hmm. to find more of those kind of things because they're quite hard to find. Also, another thing with my behavior, going back to my autism, it was really more about how to navigate even talking to myself i think it was more of a sense of you know i i like the idea of hearing my own voice i don't know what it was ever since i was a kid you know and even consoling myself after my parents would punish me or something like that you know for 
doing something wrong, you know, just console myself. So I've always been a very introspective type of person to where, like, when I look at things, when I look at the clouds or whatever, it's like I just think in my mind, you know, and then I would think out loud sometimes. And, and sometimes my parents would teach me, like, I'm, oh, just, like, think in your mind or whatever, you know. And then, like, whenever I'm in my room right now, I will always talk to myself, have conversations. I don't really talk to friends that much. Like, sometimes I talk to friends, but then other times I just talk to myself. You know, I don't know if that's an autistic trait or something, but sometimes the conversations about life or anything, it's with myself or something, you know. It's almost like I'm doing my own presentations yeah. by myself or something yeah. like that, you know, to where I, I just say, like, because when I was younger, it was more of, like, gibberish and then as i got older as as i grew it's like more of like it became more of like a stretched out type of like oh okay it's about this it's about that plans and then it's like oh what's going on in the world right here what's what's this going on it's like i can't believe this is like you know you would think i'm some type of commentator or something like that you know so yeah is is it kind of like what happens to you though like are you like an introspective person or a person that can talk to themselves and then when you got older, like, it started to make sense. You started to, like, just have conversations about things. When I was a child, I did talk to myself a lot. And most of the things that you've said, I can totally relate to. As I got older, I realised that I tried to, talk, to stop talking to myself a few times. A few people were like, stop it, stop it, kind of thing. And I've tried, mm -hmm. but every time I failed, and I've discovered that I need to whatever's in my mind that I let out I'm thinking out loud but I need to think out loud otherwise it just stays in my brain and causes it to overload and I also talk to myself a lot especially in my own company and I don't know if it's because I like the sound of my voice but I genuinely when I'm upset I do console myself and give myself a little pep talk to every time something happens I go to another room I'm like okay right this has just happened or right, I've just realised what happened, it's my bad. Okay, we need to recover, we can do this, let's go, kind of thing. Like, like in, in some ways, like, you know, kind of like what I do, I'm self-analysation. Yeah. Which is interesting, though, you know, because I always think to myself, like, no wonder at times only I can feel so good at anal analysing other things or analysing people. And also mm. another trait that I have is, like, I tend to... When I'm out certain places, I tend to watch people. Even when I was back in school, I would always look at people. Yeah. And some people wouldn't like that, though. But it's just like, I don't know what it is. Like, if people look interesting, yeah. if people look nice or whatever, it's just like, I just tend to watch people and what they yeah. do. Like, do you do, you do the same thing? I do the exact just, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, like, watch people when they walk by or when they're getting a cup of coffee or something. It's yeah. Just, it's yeah. like we're natural observers. We just want to watch the world around them. And if we see someone interesting, we're not staring because we're creepy. We just find them fascinating or we just want to just... We just watch. It's nothing... It may seem strange in their point of view, but to us, we're just... We're just staring. We're not doing anything weird about it or thinking anything weird. We're just doing yeah. it. Yeah. Because I always wonder, why was I doing that? Because it's just like I go by how a person looks or go by what colors they're wearing or something, yeah. you know, to where if it sticks out or what type of shoes they're wearing or something like that. Or even like when I was in high school, I remember I was looking at these like, you know, goth kids or just like these, these punk kids or something like that. And this was at a time to where I was really trying to fit in and more of like the urban side, you know, I would wear like the baggy jeans and then like the oversized clothes or something like that, you know, trying to look all 
hip-hop-ish or whatever, you know, trying to talk slang and all that stuff. Yeah. But something about these golf kids and just the way they looked and what they dressed and all that stuff, even with, like, the combat boots and all that type of stuff, it was like, this is interesting, though, you know? Even though, I me mean, personally, that wouldn't be my style or something like that. Yeah. But it's just, like, the way they carried themselves. Because I guess, like, for anybody, even the mm. person that's very classy, it's like... It's all, I think it's about like the confidence, even like when the urban kids that were very hip hop, it's like the confidence and I always thought, man, like, how can I, how can I have some of that? You know, it's just people knowing who they are Yeah. at a time to where I was still trying to figure it out. Yeah. For me, when it comes to finding my own style, I didn't really have a particular one when I was younger. I had like a favorite color, which is blue. So I wore like blue things, sometimes pink or whatever. But in my mm. mid-teens, I went for a golf phase, which is so much fun. <laughs> and <laughs> and th- that golf phase reflects to how I am now, um, trying to dress what I want and when I want. It makes me feel comfortable. Like my current thing is like flannel shirts, tie-dye shirts, high-waist jeans. Unintentional 80s vibes, but I love it. And I always feel so comfortable. Even when I wear my oversized denim jacket outside, I just feel so comfortable. And I want to represent myself as myself. And I don't care if people don't like the clothes I wear, even if it does knock it down a peg in my confidence. But at the end of the Mm. day, what I wear is... I want to reflect as me and I don't care if it's in fashion or not or if the colours don't match. I notice a lot of autistics wear really colourful clothing or specific clothes or even just the same, multiple versions of the same thing and that's pretty cool. It's like thinking outside the box. I think I'm learning more about being myself because I still like, you know, good colors and like to mesh things. And sometimes if that makes sense with these pants or these shorts, then I just mix up the colors right there. Cause I like color coordination as well as something that can just make sense of a color or something like that. Because I, I learned that kind of like from my parents, you know, because my parents would like both my mom and dad would dress the same colors. Like when they go out certain times or even like go to church and all that stuff. Like if my mom wears a certain color, my dad wears a certain color and all that stuff because my mom's more of like, and at those lanes and all that stuff, you know. And uh, my brother just is good and all that stuff. He's able to find his stuff and be able to do that stuff. And for me, it's just, I guess it's more about learning about that stuff. Because even when I go out to, like, hip-hop events or go out to, like, you know, some hardcore events and some arts events or folk events or whatever, or even, like, world music stuff, I feel like, unless, like, there's a dress code about being dressy or whatever, you know, that's a whole different thing. I think it's more about just being myself, you know, and not feeling I need to try to act like somebody else in order to feel like I have to be in or something like that. Because sometimes I have to, like, catch myself certain times. Hmm. Because I feel like, why can't I go to, like, a hip-hop show and be able to just like that stuff? Hmm. Or even go to, like, an all-black event, you know, with a bunch of black people, you know, because sometimes, like, when I'm around a bunch of black people, it's like, oh, my gosh, look at the sea of colors right here, you know, just, like... It's a whole different thing than just being like the only black person and a bunch of all white people or something like that. Yeah. Which I'm sure I can only imagine. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to events like in Scotland or something like that to where like, you know, you were like the only white person in there or something like that. So. I don't think I've had that in particular, but I have been at places where there's what I like about big cities like London or whatever, even just cities in general in the UK, mm, is you yeah. see so many kinds of people 
whether it's race or different fashion sense or even disability. Mm -hmm. I just love being surrounded by so many types of people instead of just the same kind of people in a local area. And another thing I like is ever since I've been diagnosed autistic, I've found a few autistic communities that made me feel that I can be myself. And I don't get like that with many people. I don't trust a lot of people either. So finding these few people and communities and groups allows me to be myself has actually helped validate myself going, um, maybe I'm not as bad of a person and autism is not a bad word. And really, like, I find, like, talking with you and talking to some other people on the spectrum, it's very nice because I think it's for any type of community that if you're around, like, like-minded people, even though I like being around different people, types of people with different thoughts, like, you know, I, and I like that. I like the diversity because I think it also goes back to, like, when I was a kid, like, you know, a babysitter that I had was Hispanic. I learned some Spanish stuff, like some Spanish words, like uno, dos, cinco, cuatro, you know, like all that type of stuff, being in Miami or something like that, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're around different types of cultures, you tend to like feel like, oh, that's that's normal, you know, like, oh, the person speaking Spanish, oh, okay, that's normal, you know. Or it's just like, you know, like you you being in the UK, like in Scotland or something like that, if somebody happens to be like somebody from another country or somebody Indian is like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's that's normal right over there and all that stuff, you know, that type of thing. Though. Yeah. And it's just like you, you find a ways to with that because I just think to myself, like if I was just around like one race of people, I don't know if I would be like the same type of person, not to take it, you know, because again, like, you know, black people are not monolith just as much as like, you know, white people or any type of other race and all that stuff, you know. But when you're around different types of people, it's just you tend to really like learn more about yourself and really be fascinated by other cultures, you know, to where it's like, it, it's just a very interesting thing. Like even in the midst of you being autistic and trying to really define yourself, because going back to autism, it's like when you feel like you're the only person, even when you're around a bunch of other special needs people and even being in the regular classes, I, I started to become more in the regular classes when I was in middle school and high school. Mm. But I, they, I would still be asked to go see a speech pathologist or go to an ESC counselor to be able to help on math problems or reading comprehension, all that stuff, you know, because sometimes I wasn't so good at that. I think that to have a community of people to where you can just be able to talk about your experiences like what we're doing here it's so good because then you feel like yeah i know this sounds cliche but you know you're not alone you know yeah. it's like it's, it's for, true though <laughs> i would think like it's kind of like an, a version of esc here in the u.s and all that stuff you know to where like um because when we when you were younger you were mentioning like was it like a special needs class you were in or you were in a special class or something like that did you did they have you like my experience see like esc counselors or anything or, or, or counselors in that specialize in special needs kids or anything or disabilities or we were all in the same class as the rest of the kids but we were all separated in groups and our group was like isolated in the corner so it was more like that and we had a helper that helped us out although she was not nice <laughs> and that was the other issue of um having special needs in the 90s is that some people didn't understand and they were just they were just nasty they didn't they didn't get it but in high school, I did get sent out of class to get extra support with maths or spelling. And I did have a helper at most classes helping me out, especially for things like home economics and such. But one of the helpers I had, I felt certain people treat people with disabilities or autistic people like children and they speak to you in this really patronizing tone 
and I received that. They treated me like I was like five, and I knew better. I did have some de developmental delay, and I didn't like some things that other kids liked, but I wasn't stupid. I know maths and English. I just wasn't great at maths, and English I love, but I made mistakes. <laughs> I will go to like the ESC counselors to be able to help with certain math problems and be able to help understand this, because there was a time when I was in high school, they had like, you know, the students take notes, which I was like, oh, geez, take notes. And I'm not really much of a good note taker in Austin, because it's like, okay, word for word, okay, uh, um, um, can you repeat that? You know, that type of thing, so... So it was it was that whole thing, because for me, like math was one of the things like I remember in school, I dreaded. Yeah, same. And when I was younger, I used to be jealous of those math wizards that they can get through like a math problem and be like nothing. They can be in these magnet like in, in the U.S. They have magnet programs to where it's like it's like advanced programs for advanced math students. But anyway, like I'm going on the speeches, though, like I'm sometimes like I tend to hear the way people speak and the way people talk, though, you know, because when I was younger, like. I remember I always like hearing like voiceover trailers for movies and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And there was one time to where when I was a young kid, like we were watching some type of film or something like that. And somebody wanted a straw and I said, comparing my voice to like one of the deeper voices from the movie trailers, like, get your own straw. Like that type <laughs> of thing. So I, I don't know why I said that, but it's just, I because I, I guess I was so into like the person with the deep voice yeah. doing the movie trailers, like, in a world, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> when I was younger, like, you know, related to broadcasting, I was always, like, when I hear, like, like station IDs, which is, like, of a radio station, like, WZY100, like, like, like that type of thing, mm -hmm. you know? It's like, like, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, I was so connected with that yeah. and the way they would talk and the way they would speak, you know? I don't know if you were, you're the same way or anything like that. I think I am in a similar kind of way. I'm always fascinated by voices and accents, and I like to, um, I think it's a bit of echolalia as well. Like I like to repeat yeah, yeah. phrases or quotes. And yeah. sometimes when I talk, I sometimes randomly speak in a random accent or a funny voice, and I've been questioned it a few times, but I just do it. And I think all those funny voices I used to do when I was a kid led on to me doing amateur voice acting in my teens, and I got to learn more about controlling the voices I could do and what my range was and I thought it was so much fun as much as I hate my original voice I like my character voices but if someone's like showing a video to everyone with my voices in it I, I am like no don't I don't want to hear that I don't want to hear uh, like for me like when, whenever I'm filmed at times like I like my voice but I remember I did this promo for like um, WLRN's My Source for like, you know, PBS and all that type of stuff for local PBS, you know. And uh, I remember I watched the thing back. I liked my voice, but I didn't like how my posture was. Because when I was doing the promo, they had me look at a teleprompter, you know, you know how, how you read yeah, the teleprompter yeah. and be like, okay, read that stuff. And my biggest thing was making sure I didn't trip over a word or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you don't trip over the word. Make sure you're concise and all that type of stuff. Make sure you're clear. Yeah. But then when I saw my posture, it felt like I thought, I wish I could have done the radio one because, like, somebody was mentioning me, oh, do the TV one. But mm -hmm. it felt like it's almost as if, like, WRN is my source, blah, 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 this and that. And it, like, it just felt like my posture was kind of like more, it was like stiff. I feel like I was kind of stiff when I yeah. was... You know, because I was trying to relax, but then every time I tried to con 
it would feel like I'm stiff, you know, to where I had no emotion in my voice or something like that. Yeah. Or it felt like I was like a robot or something. It's like you're too focused on the world. You forget your, the inflection of your voice and you're not relaxed. And I sometimes get that problem with scripts and I'm like, oh, it just sounds like I'm reading. Oops. <laughs> but that's why, like, the, the trick is, like, when you're doing, like, because this is why, like, for me, even when I see, like, poets do performance pieces, like, one of the things I always try to do, like, even on my shows, or even like learning from like, you know, having like voice acting things in the past or even like public speaking and all and stuff is more about how do I bring out my personality? And I'm always trying to learn it and how to be more out there and all that stuff, you know, in the sense of like, how can I bring myself into this? Because sometimes in radio in particular, like even when I learned from broadcasting school, is that it's almost like for different markets, they want you to talk a certain way or be able to be a certain way or something like that. Instead of just simply being like, how about if I just be very interactive and very exciting, but at the same time be myself? It's just like, coming up next, we have this type of goal set, you know, that that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's what it is and all that stuff, you know, because I'm sure like for you, like when you were in film and like doing like documentaries and all that stuff, I'm sure you had to like kind of discipline yourself and feel like, how can I be myself, but then still be professional, you know? That's something I do try and focus on. And I sometimes give myself a little leeway on my script to make it seem more natural, or I've got something extra um, to segue in between. That's what I try and do, and to make myself seem more natural in my projects. Other than like looking into like voices and such, what would you advise other autistic people, whether it be children or adults, and when it comes to growing up with autism? Well, I would just say, you know, to have a sense of self and to know that if you have, like, good parents that are able to, like, no matter what it is, like, you know, be able to care about you and be able to, like, get do stuff, that's always good, too, as well. And to really, like, you know, if you can find a good community of autistic people, and you know, like, that's also good, too, as well. And just really, you know, not feel ashamed, but at the same time, just know that there's always different types of people in the autism spectrum that you can also learn them from. Because, look, I, I'm, I'm learning, too. And I feel like I'm continuously learning as an autistic person, you know, because on the other hand, like some people think that when people are autistic, they feel like not everybody, but certain people feel like then you're the expert of autism. But that's mm-hmm. not true and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, No. because for me, like, look, I'm autistic and. I'm learning things from you and you're learning from things from me and all that stuff. You know, we all have different experiences. Yep. And I, and I think it's more about one thing, having a voice and also be able to just love yourself, being able to just find a good community and really whatever you love to do, just go ahead and do it. Know that at the end of the day, like this may sound cliche, but you know, things get better and just have a good sense of self. Yeah, I totally agree with that. We're all learning, even the most popular advocates, autistic advocates, the ones who are actually autistic, are learning every day. And we're all case-by-case basis. We're all different as it's a spectrum. And finally, any other comments? Okay. Well, all I have to say is um, if you want to check out my show, Inoculative Expressions, you can go on to inoculativeexpressions.podomatic.com. And also, too, I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash expressions. Follow me there if you have Facebook to know about any new type of shows that I have up. And, like, I'm share with your friends. And, um, Oni, I really thank you for having me on your show. No worries. I will link your social media and other links provided on the transcript 
and on Podbean. But yeah, um, it was great having you on the show. I'm glad you volunteered. Nice having you here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thanks, Tony. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Autish podcast. If you like more blog information, please access autish.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for future episodes. This is Oni Kage from Autish, signing out. <laughs>